Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pot Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 257. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, that is Stacy at StacyPatton89. Stacy, how are you doing? Doing well. Uh, Feliz Navidad to uh, all uh, the Knicks fans out there. Uh, yes, uh, not a very joyful Christmas for us, but we will talk about that in a little bit. Before we get started, I do have to make an announcement that Strickland has an Instagram. You can follow that at thestrick.land on Instagram. Check that out. We're posting new content on there, uh, pregame and postgame stuff. So uh, definitely give us a follow. We also have a YouTube where you may be watching this very podcast and seeing how scraggly me and Stacy look on this uh, post-Christmas morning. If you are, hit like and then subscribe to the channel. Uh, help us get to 1,000 followers on there. That would be a big help. We also have a Patreon, which you can subscribe to for $6. That gets you access to Pod Strickland that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag hosted every other week by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. the Doug Bag. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. Um, the Knicks lost yesterday, uh, their third in a row, 119-112 to Philly. Um, I have thoughts on the game, but, uh, you know, I guess I don't think I've talked to you since we I think we were still winning basketball games last time I talked to you. So uh, we are now losing basketball games. They lost to Toronto on Wednesday, uh, Chicago in a heartbreaker on Friday, an absolute pathetic capitulation, I thought. Um, on multiple levels. And um, I also thought yesterday was another pathetic capitulation on many levels that we've seen that repeat stuff that we've seen before. But um, I guess I'll just leave it to you to get started here. But uh, what did you think of the game yesterday? And then just generally what we've seen over these last three games. Um, Yesterday wasn't as depressing. Um, I've watched every team I root for lose games in the most stupid ways. Um, Some teams can't hit free throws. Some teams don't know how to hand the ball off without fumbling the ball. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this game yesterday, I'll, I mean, I, I agree with you completely. Chicago is the stupidest one. Toronto was a toss-up. It was very frustrating. I think they should have won the Toronto game. But that is a team that is, um, I think that's the team in the Knicks league. Um, I think they are a particularly annoying matchup for the Knicks because of how they're constructed. But they're about the same level as the Knicks, right? So there really isn't a whole lot of shame in losing a game that goes out of the wire to them. Chicago was just, um, it, it was just an extremely dumb game. Uh, less than a capitulation. They missed free throws. Um, so on the one hand, I don't. they had eight free throws down the stretch from Grimes, Barrett, Randall, and Brunson, all in the neighborhood of 80% free throw shooters, I believe, this year. 
Brunson's actually close to 90%. They went two for eight. Um, that's not going to happen very often. <laughs> that doesn't make it any less frustrating, um, especially in a playoff race where the Knicks can't afford to lose too many. So those were very annoying games. Uh, and that's how I thought yesterday was going to go for three quarters. I thought it was going to be a game where the Knicks played better and looked like the better team for much of it. But shit like, oh my God, Shake Milton hit a off-the-glass uh, half-court three. I, I thought that was going to be the story of the game, and it ended up not being the story of the game. Uh, what that game, now in hindsight, very clearly was, was um, for three quarters, the Knicks looked like the better team. But, um, you know, in the words of Teddy KGB, Philly was able to hang around because um, because they were they had the they had the two best players on the team and, on the court and uh, I thought the, the, the Knicks had some really impressive possessions against Joel Embiid. I thought Mitchell Robinson played a really good game, uh, but he still got his. He still got to the line a lot. Um, and I think what yesterday showed is the Knicks don't really have a lot of margin up for error. Um, Philadelphia missed a lot of open threes. Philadelphia Embiid was shooting poorly from the foul line. Um, the Knicks were executing their offense for offense for most of the game at an extremely high level, but they have they can't have um, they really can't waste any possessions. Um, there are things I would correct, but um, you know, for as well as I thought, the Knicks played really well for the first three quarters, uh, and it was tied uh, going to the fourth quarter. And, you know, it, it's a little bit like a boxing match, it felt like, where, you know, the underdog is, is landing more punches as a better strategy. But, you know, after 10 rounds or 9 rounds, it's still tied on the scorecard. And, and then that's when, you know, the favorite team, the favorite player, uh, boxer, starts to throw some, some, um, some haymakers. And that's what happened. Um, I think that the Sixers, you know, they were able to stagger Harden and Embiid Harden looked really fresh, and he started hitting stepbacks. And um, and I mean, the Knicks really had no answers, right? When they tried to to pressure Harden, he was nailing uh, George Niang. Uh, I didn't even think Grimes was irresponsible with his help. You know, maybe there's some tweaks in his positioning. Smarter people than me, including I think Tibbs, might be able to help with that. Um, but they had no answers for Harden. Uh, when Harden and Embiid started running the pick and roll, and they didn't even need to bring Embiid back for, I mean, I think they could have won the game without bringing him back. There was just no answers. Um, I think, um, and that, that is what it is. I think that in terms of on the Knicks side, so they, they lost, this was less frustrating than the Bulls and Raptors game because they lost to a team that I think is genuinely better than them and is probably going to be a, a contender for the Eastern Conference. That is the gap that the Knicks are at right now. Um, in terms of issues for the Knicks um, that are at least arising from that, I would say from yesterday, um, these are I mean these are not huge tips criticisms. So I don't want it to come off like that. I do think when a player is playing well, there is a tendency to say, "Give him the ball and get the fuck out of the way," which is instead of looking at why is this player succeeding. So if Julius Randle has twenty five points in the first half, how is he getting twenty five points? Is it because he's coming off, um, he's getting the ball in good, either on the move or he's able to spot up against a closing out defender? Or is it because you're giving him the ball on the, the right side and letting him isolate? And it tended to be the former, but once he was really hot, we started going a little bit too much to that. And I, I don't mind him isolating from the middle of the floor, especially if he has a smaller defender. 
But the problem was uh, there were too many possessions where he ended up doing that right side fadeaway, which I'm, I'm not going to kill him over that on a night when he's shooting the ball really well. But the, like I said, the Knicks don't have margin for error. And I think that's also a bit true with R.J. Barrett. Uh, I thought that happened a little bit against Chicago where um, you know he's, he's on fire, but look at how he's getting those buckets, right? It's usually with, with a step on the defender. When you ask him these guys to isolate, really it's Brunson is the only guy in isolation who's consistently effective. And I think that leads me to my last point, which is starting to concern me. We can talk about this because I think it's been a point of a little bit of a disagreement. Um, the Knicks bench has been, um, I, I think that it used to be that the Knicks, that the Knicks starters would play other teams to a draw and the bench was so good, they would outscore them. That was something Benji has mentioned as potentially Tibbs' strategy. Now it seems to be the opposite where the Knicks starters are playing really well and the bench, um, the bench has good enough defense to play most teams to a draw, which is fine. And it's busy what they did yesterday, except you cannot rely on outscoring a team with Joel Embiid and, and Harden in starters minutes. The Knicks did that for the first half, but that's not as sustainable against these kind of teams. And the point I'm making is that the Knicks bench needs more offense. I think they don't have good spacing, as you've talked about. Um, and the answer has been, well, R.J. Barrett, do something. And I, I'm just, um, I'm not heavily in on point R.J., and um, I would like... That's a choice, though. That's a choice, but I also think it is a choice necessitated... No, it's not. By the fact no, that... No, 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 hold on. It's, it's not necessitated. Quickly to you know, hold, on, hold on, hold on. It's not necessitated. It's not. That's a choice that Tibbs is making. Let's be clear. He's He is making that choice. Because he has decided... the team is making. No, it is a choice he is making. I think he has decided... Hold on. You think quickly no, is hold on. Hold on. No! How can he not be passive? How can he Yesterday not he was. He was more aggressive the last two games. He was more aggressive. He can't do. He's not allowed to initiate offense. Look at all this. Look at every single. This is this has been my issue. I brought this up like a week ago when the Knicks were still winning games. I brought this up that they're leaning a little too heavily on R.J. Brunson, Randall initiate everything. That's that's been and he's he's done it now for the last however many games. Where as soon as the bench, as soon as Brunson goes out, there is no chance. There's no. Oh, quickly is going to initiate offense. If he does initiate a set, it's a called set by Tibbs. It's usually that fucking play they run to get Jericho Sims a lot. That's usually the play that he gets to initiate. Other than that, he comes up the floor and he passes it to RJ or he posts to Randall and he clears the fuck out. There were That's multiple it. possessions, it seemed, where he ran a pick and roll, the Sixers hedged, and he just kind of dribbled and, and didn't do much. Like, I thought there were a bunch. Yeah, I thought I, he was I think, passive I think and he had completely wrong. I do agree I think, with you that RJ. It's a little bit too much RJ right now. Um, He's running a token pick and roll. That's what it is. It's a token pick and roll. There's no purpose to it other than run something and then swing the ball to RJ or swing the ball to Randall and let them cook from the top of the key. Does it look like he's empowered to do anything? Like when you're watching it, are you like, wow, this play is for quick and he's just not doing anything? No. And and then on top of that, on top of that, he played two six fucking minutes yesterday. Like, you like if you're he's this is what he's doing now. This is what he's done. Somehow with the nine man rotation, he has now he is set in stone that all of the Hartenstein and Sims minutes, which we both agree have severe spacing limitations. I don't even think that's just us. That's a general like anybody with a brain can see that. Okay, so you you're tying these two guys' minutes almost exclusively to this lineup. 
Okay, Deuce especially. He only gets to play with those guys. Okay, and then because they're struggling offensively a bit, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where he's like, okay, well, then I just got to go back to my starters. And he's, he's again, not mixing and matching for some reason. How, we have not seen Brunson and quickly play many minutes together anymore. Again, for what reason? I have no idea. And then in the, in the Chicago game, I want to go back to this because I completely disagree with you. Yes, the, were the free throws the biggest factor in the Knicks losing the game? 100%, no question, you miss free throws. Those are literally free throws, right? Like, and it was from good shooters, so I think yeah. it was a bit of an yeah. anomaly. It's it's a yeah, and it's but it, it is what it is. It's that that is no question, and I agree. Yes, good shooters. That is the biggest reason you lost the game. The other ridiculous decision he made in the game was going back to Grimes over quickly. There was no reason for that. There, what was the argument for that? Quickly did a better job defensively in that game. Quickly scored better in that game. There was no reason for it. He just did it because we are seeing again there are things about Tibbs that he's just going to do, no matter. How much he adapts, no matter what his new lineups are, new rotation, he will always defer. He will always defer to the same things. He wanted Grimes in that game because he had better size. That is it. There was no other reason. There was no argument for who was more effective in that game. Quickly was significantly more effective on both ends of the floor. But no, he wanted Grimes in the game because he sees Zach Levine. He sees DeMar DeRozan. Oh my God, how can Emmanuel quickly ever defend these guys? I need Quentin Grimes back in the game because he is my fucking binky now. And I need him for 40 minutes a night, regardless of how he's playing, regardless of opposition. Basically, in his mind, Quentin Grimes is now, uh, you know, fucking Luol Deng. Like, it's a joke. I'm sorry. This is but do you, stupid. Would, do you no, think against winged-sized players or those-sized players, I, I do agree that when it comes to off-ball defense, quickly as no, a lead, I, no, and no, he's no, very no, good no, on no. ball. We're talking about that game. I'm not talking about generally speaking his but grime you do is a better matchup winger. But you I'm do talking have about to use a base game. rate, right? You do have to use a base rate, right? There's been times when Quickly has had bad Quickly's games. Quickly's been on fire for two games before that. But he but, can't get a benefit of the doubt? He yeah, was on Grimes fire is, against and, Toronto. He was on fire the game before that too. I forget who the fuck they played. And then he was on fire again against Chicago. But guess what? We He played 21 minutes in a nine-man rotation. How does that make any fucking sense? That makes no sense. I don't care what your logic is. That is fucking ridiculous. Well, that's less of a down the stretch issue, right? That is that, more that is of a, a general issue. My point is, but generally speaking, okay. the way Tibbs coaches, you're talking about a guy who, no matter how well he plays in this role, he's going to play at most 25 minutes. So quickly could be playing lights out. But unless we're, we got it. The, the one game he played a lot in the last three games was that Toronto game. But for some reason, and that's because we had what eight guys basically, right? So like, this is it's and like, look, I, I understand somebody might be listening to this like you're being crazy. Like, you know, quickly wasn't going to turn the game. It's not about quickly turning the game. This also just shows how rigid he is, even within a nine man roster construction. Yesterday, you're getting absolutely lit up at the start of the fourth quarter because Philly has gone small and they're just spreading the floor out for Harden and he is they're basically playing five out and he's just dotting up shooters, right? Why is your pivot? Why is your pivot never, you know what, let's go small and switch everything or do do anything other than what he chose to do? He kept well, he did have the, Sims, Sims was the five, right? That is the closest thing he they play, could He played Hartenstein and Sims together and then in the fourth quarter, he put he took Sims out after that timeout and left Hartenstein in. And played Hartenstein and Randall together and continued to play drop. 
I don't remember Hardenstein being in for the disaster sequence with Harden. Okay, but. well, it doesn't really matter because they play drop coverage, which, again, is another thing, like, Tibbs, he's going to yeah, play I drop mean, till he dies. In like, the fourth, it seems like like they, they were hedging Harden. They're trying to double Harden. That's when he really started to kill him. So yeah, but that, that's, a, that's a terrible adjustment. Doubling Harden is like a thing. Like, that's just, that's the Well, it's not a double, do. but he was showing Grimes. And, I mean, I thought the, the passing was just you're you're, quick, show, you're you know? showing you're showing against Harden one pass away. That is the dumbest thing you can possibly do. Like off of a shooter, that's the dumbest thing you can possibly do. That's the I, I cannot think of a stupider adjustment than you know what? Let's let's soft double Harden one pass away. That's not a good adjustment. And like we, like I'm not talking about let's fire Tibbs right now. Look, if you're I've said this even after his good stretch. I don't think he's the guy to take us to the next level. I'm happy he's playing better lineups. I still don't see a lot of like amazing ingenuity on either end of the floor in terms of his schematic stuff. I would still probably move on from I not probably I would move on from him at the end of the year. But I don't need him to be fired right now. That's not what I'm talking about. But at the end of the day, like you have a nine man rotation. Look at the fucking minutes yesterday. And he he didn't he didn't here's a basic one. Okay? You start the fourth quarter, you got Deuce, and you have quickly on the floor with RJ. Who does he put on James Harden? RJ. Uh, RJ, yeah. That's the dumbest matchup possible. You're talking about a guy who's going to run fucking 30 pick and rolls. Like he's going he's gonna to call for a ball screen, call for a ball screen, call for a bar screen until he gets what he wants. You do not put RJ in that situation because we know that is not the thing that he does very well. You ask him to fight over, like, 10 ball screens on a possession? That's not his thing. Why do you have Deuce in the game if you're not going to use him there? That is the entire purpose of having Deuce on the fucking floor. Like, the, 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 and then, and then because that lineup struggled, what did he do? He pulled Deuce. And then he brought Gimes back in. And about a minute later, <clears throat> he took quickly out to put Brunson back in. And he was going to, quickly was going to play 17 minutes yesterday until Brunson... I don't know what I don't know if he got hurt or whatever happened. I think he might have he might have been like feeling something and they just decided, you know what, the game's over, so fuck this. Um he's gonna play 17 minutes yesterday. I'm sorry, that's a fucking joke. That is so fucking stupid, I can't it, it doesn't even register. And then on top of it, you've got So you don't you don't think quickly bears any responsibility no. for playing passive at no. all yesterday? Stacey, he doesn't get to do anything. You're saying Watch the possessions you think again. Is threatening him? That's that's I'm just saying because I watched. Austin I don't think he's trying him. I think he has decided. I trust Brunson. I trust RJ. I trust Randall. We know for a fact, going back to last season, he doesn't think quickly as much of an initiator. Doesn't matter what quickly does, he just doesn't think that. But even on the possessions, when quickly gets into the paint, he right, doesn't get to up. initiate. He's attacking he, off of somebody swinging the ball to him. But he even attacked, then, he attacked there three were times. times when... He attacked three times yesterday in the paint. He scored twice and turned the ball over once. Maybe he got hacked. He looked like he was trying to pass it out to a shooter. That's all there, that he drew, there were, he I, there were times when he had a lane and he's he's just not playing. And I, I think if you want to say that maybe he's not empowered to or he's like worried that he's going to get the leash, I think I would believe that. But I, this is not the same player. It's not just a lack of opportunity. This is not the same player I yes, watch. Yes, it is. It is absolutely a lack of opportunity. I completely reject this. But idea. not, I mean, I, I think there are, like, he's getting pick and rolls. He's getting no, chances. He's not. I think. I think he's RJ not, does separate the offense a little he's bit not. with the bench. He's not going to. But you watch roll. other. You watch a guy like Austin Reeves. He had one play yesterday on I don't know some defender from the Mavs. 
where he got the ball, did like a fake. He did the kind of shit Quickly used to do, and I just I never Quickly see that. Quickly scored eleven points yesterday on seven and like shots. eight of or what, seven of those were like garbage. Oh, time. you mean when he came in and he had to like run point because Brunson was out, and but he, he was finally was empowered and he did well, but. How much of that is his own aggressiveness versus None. Absolutely him getting None. picked? You, you're okay. neutering a player and then you're blaming him for not being aggressive. It's fucking bullshit. Shut up, dude. I'm not. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about tips. I'm saying shut up to tip. But like, it's a joke. I'm sorry. Like, I like we we cannot keep doing this thing where it's like, oh, I wonder why quickly goes from being super aggressive to passive. Like, why would he do that? Was he? Why would he do that? Yeah. So one way or another, right? Something needs to change. Where they cannot run the bench offense through RJ, the solution on the spacing issues, or like, Randall, or, or you, you do have it with to like Randall though too. Like this is my issue. Like, like you talked about this. Well, Randall's not going to play with the bench. Yeah, hold on. You, you, you were absolutely right. You and you mentioned this earlier that when Randall comes in, like, like or when Brunson goes out, and uh, we saw this in the second half. There's just too much like Randall do shit, RJ do shit, right? But like yeah. that is his choice. We, like that is, and we've seen this in past seasons. Like. He, that's what he does. He did that last year all the time. Okay, time for Randall to cook. Like, at a certain point, at a certain point, that isn't on anybody other than Tibbs. And, like, like what am I, like, like you're talking about, oh, Quickly's being passive. The entire team is being passive at the start of the fourth quarter. Why? Because Philadelphia went to a zone, and we know that we have no idea of how to attack a zone. There was well, one there, there is another... How there was much one possession at the start of the fourth. There's one possession. At, it was either the start of the fourth or end of the third quarter when Hardenstein and Sims were still in. Quickly brought the ball up. They, he saw they were in, in... Or no, actually, no, I think Brunson might have been in. And it wasn't even Hardenstein and Sims. It was just... Their, I think it would have been Randall and Hardenstein. Whatever the fuck it was. I don't remember what the alignment was. It didn't really matter who it was. But they, they played zone. And it, he's trying to direct stuff for like 12, 13 seconds because nobody had any idea what to do. Because, oh my God, they're in a zone. We have no clue what to do. This is a three-year problem now, where if a team goes goes and plays zone, we look absolutely flummoxed. So yesterday to me, and I know people say this is ridiculous, do I think that Philly's a better team? Yeah, Philly's definitely a better team than us. They have Harden, they have Embiid, they have two superstars. Like, it is what it is. I think yesterday was not a coaching loss, but it revealed exactly the same issues we've seen from Tibbs over and over again. And like, yes, he's playing better lineups, so we'll probably win more basketball games now. But ultimately, you still see the same exact issues with him six minutes for deuce yesterday he refuses to play small he refuses to try that in a matchup where it probably made sense i made a lot more sense than hartenstein and sims and like the hartenstein and sims thing is fine i kind of like it at times but it has to be a situational thing like you see in the first half it did not work at all they scored one basket in like five minutes of game time together or something like that well that's the i mean he can't play other lineups with i mean what else would, would you have him play barrett at the four yeah, why not? Oh, yeah. If, if he's gonna play Grimes, if he's gonna play Grimes thirty-eight minutes a night, then you can do that. It's not hard. It's very easy to do that. Then he's playing Grimes and RJ a shit ton of minutes, so it's not like he's like, oh, I can't do that because I'm trying to keep RJ at thirty-four and Grimes at thirty-two. Or no, he's so your lineup, your bench lineup would be more minutes of Deuce, IQ, RJ, Grimes, which I don't believe that lineup plays together at all. The but only time we played it together, the only time yeah. we played it together was against the Kings, and it worked really well. That's all I know. Like, that's the only time we played it together, it worked really well. Was it great offensively? No. But it is a lot more versatile defensively. And uh, you know what? I bet offensively it would be a lot better over more minutes because those guys will have better spacing. That's just 
it's just that easy to me. Yeah, Hardenstein is rough right now. Uh, it seemed like is... he couldn't he couldn't play him against Embiid because it's Embiid, and he couldn't play because the like the Sixer stagger. And shout out um, Doc Rivers for figuring that out um, after how many years of being a coach. Um, I think he started well, to stagger. And, and this is this but, is the frustrating thing with Tibbs. Like, but you couldn't play him he, against the bench either, Hardenstein, because yeah. of Harden, right? So, and, and this is what's frustrating about Tibbs. He did. He was staggering. He was staggering, and now he's just stopped doing it again. Like he's just well, okay, his no. version of staggering is RJ playing with the bench, right? Yeah, but he it's all it was also okay. We're gonna play quickly with Brunson a bit, and he just stopped doing that now. But they get like a few minutes together. That's about it. Even yesterday, yesterday in the in the in the second half. I don't think quickly played with Brunson at all. Yeah, I mean, I I am of the opinion that I would rather see him play Brunson if if the idea is stagger a, a starter with the bench to um to hold up the offense. I would prefer that. I mean, I like I said, I, Brunson is really the only player I trust in isolation. I think at times Randall has looked like the most talented offensive player. Um, but you, he got twenty. There, there are good Randall isolations and there are bad Randall isolations. But, but just, and the bad Randall isolations tend to come when he's not on the floor with, with Brunson. But because, it, it's because where he gets the ball and where we're deploying him from is fundamentally different. He plays with Brunson. He's not isolating from the top of the key. He might he might get a lot of threes from up there. Might get a, some pick and pops. But he's not isolating from the top of the key a lot. Well, and when so he does, think, it usually sucks. But he he did get a few of those in the beginning of the second half. But my point is, in general, right? Uh, when he's like, I, he wasn't isolating a whole lot in the first half yesterday. Those were a lot more attacking. I think he had some gorgeous finishes around Embiid. Yeah, he was good. Really. He was really um, good in the first half. He was slashing. Time. I actually like this. Aside from, I think there was one closeout. The, he had issues with Tucker where he didn't close out once. And I think he was helping. So the Sixers made a nice adjustment. I actually thought Doc coached him. Doc coached Thibodeau, which out coached Thibodeau, which was one of the worst parts of the game. But um, well, how many Doc games have nice... you watched? How many games have you watched this year? And you're like, Tibbs has outcoached his opponent. Uh, let me look at the game log. But my point with Randall is just because he's effective as a finisher doesn't mean you start isolating him all the time. Well, it's, right? it's the exact wrong takeaway from that. Yeah. and But I think we did that with RJ too against the Bulls. We did that um, with RJ against Philly. Like, this this is, like, I, I hate. Well, we did that at a, with RJ because that's the only way Tibbs feels you can generate with the bench. But right. But, but so this is my point, though, is like, so. Okay, I, I I thought RJ and Randall had bad second halves and awful fourth quarters. Okay, no question. I about thought it, Randall good. was okay. RJ definitely had a bad second. I, I think in the fourth quarter they were both atrocious. But here's my thing: were they both atrocious? Absolutely, no question. Okay, let's just let's just say that's the bit. We can both admit they both played whatever you want to say, bad, atrocious. They were both not good in the fourth quarter. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what like. They are not guys that you just give the ball against a set defense at the top of the key and run possessions through, and you should expect over like five, six, seven, eight possessions them to to consistently produce good offense. That's not who they are. That's not the level of their play, and that's okay. Like that's just that's their strengths and weaknesses in this case as a player. So as a coach, you need to do something to help them. So even if he he looks at quickly and he's like, this guy can't penetrate for shit, okay? Fine. Pause. You can still use him to get those guys the ball in better positions. You are allowed to post up R.J. Barry. You're allowed to post up Julius Randle. In fact, I'd much rather you do that than just give them the ball at the top of the key and tell them to cook. Oh, set a screen, run a pick and roll. Like, no. 
There are, there are so many other ways to go about deploying them, even if you don't believe quickly is a good enough dribble penetrator. Like, it's just, I'm so sick of this nonsense. I'm sick of watching that shit. And it's like, every time, every time you think he's discovered something or he's going to try new things, he reverts. And he reverted the last two games because he he's so deathly afraid of, like, certain matchups. And oh my God, quickly size versus Levine, and I or quickly size versus like who were you scared of quickly matching up with yesterday? That's what I want to know. Fucking Shake Milton. The, the Anthony Milton, Milton was on fire though. Yeah, but Damn, he was I on like fire that. against Brunson, who's smaller than fucking quickly. Yeah, they defended him well. I mean, you're a big Melton guy. I mean, I'm sure I you love were. Melton. I love Melton. Guess what? Him. Guess what? If we're quickly, lose, quickly was probably the best guy to put on him. I agree with that. The, the point is, none of those... De'Anthony Melton wasn't killing you because he was just like <coughs> such a mismatch nightmare. He was he's fire. killing you because he's cooking on catch-and-shoot threes. Okay? Like, there was not a single matchup there, aside from Harden, who you didn't... If you don't trust him, you didn't need to put him on Harden. There's no matchup there that you couldn't have gone... Like, that you couldn't have put him on for. And, and this is my issue with... You're looking at that game. Harnstein doesn't have shit. Okay, the Harnstein and Sims look especially doesn't have shit. Why not try to go small? Why is that not an occasion to try it? To fucking try it. He will not try it ever. He will never try it unless he's absolutely forced to. And I'm sorry, that is a major, major fundamental flaw in a head coach. And like, like we will talk about the players because I don't think this was, as I said, I did not think this was a coaching loss. I did not think the Bulls game was a coaching loss. But if you cannot be honest about, and I'm not saying you, obviously, I'm saying people in general, there are people that are like, oh, you're nitpicking. Oh, I'm sorry, is bringing up issues fucking nitpicking now, you dumb piece of shit? Like, no, it's not. I'm sorry. I've had this issue with the offense even when they were winning games. I think it's our scoring balance is not healthy. It's not healthy. You've got three 20-point-per-game guys, and then you've got two guys barely getting into double figures. Quickly, who apparently doesn't deserve to play more than 20 minutes a night unless he's dunking like prime Derrick Rose or something. And <laughs> and Grimes, who has to live off of whenever Brunson, RJ, and Randall deign to, to kick it out to him on open threes, that is what he lives on. Like, it's not a healthy balance. And I think, yes, is some of this just the nature of the way that Brunson and RJ and Randall all cook as a friend of the pod, uh, ball don't stop would say. Yeah, maybe. But I also think some of it is the nature of how you're, you're using them. And like, has and it got it's, it's Brunson is really the only guy who cooks effectively that way. Uh, yeah, and, the other and I think, two are I think, better when they get the ball on the move. Let's yeah, and, and I think, and I think the assist numbers, they've been good recently. I don't think, Look, like the first I don't think quarter, they, they were amazing. Yesterday. Yeah, it 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 always goes down, and I get it. Like you can say at the end of the game. Actually, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just gonna bring this up. So there's like the general colloquial wisdom of like games slow down in the fourth quarter, and like at the end of the day, you need guys that can just like cook and get their own shot, and blah 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 blah. Right? I actually watched this interview before we played the Pacers, where uh, the interviewer asked Rick Carlisle about that, and he was like, basically said that's bullshit, and that like t- like you. That's about players not continuing to push the pace and play the way they were to start games and earlier parts in games. Now, do I buy that entirely? No, I think teams focus more, players focus more. There's just more. There's more defensive intensity in the fourth quarter than there is in other parts of the game. But I do think that, like, 
how segmented that game became, especially at the end against both Chicago and Philadelphia yesterday. I mean, look, we've seen Tibbs now for three years. I think it's fair to say that he likes slowing it down and going into like ISO heavy stuff towards the end of basketball games to salt the game away, right? And um, it's a lot better. The underdog, yeah, and it's a lot better this year because Brunson is like, you know, he's he's that good, but. That's not a cure-all, and and it still it just makes it better. It doesn't actually like fix the issue. <laughs> um, so like I don't want anybody listening to this, and maybe it's already jumped the shark. But like, look, it, did we lose the game because Tibbs? No, we didn't lose the game because Tibbs. But I'm sorry, I watched that game yesterday, and to me, it was infuriating watching his coaching decisions. And, and I, I, I'll add another thing on going small. I think. The thing is this, right? If you bench Hartenstein, it, it's a big, it's a thing, right? He's a free agent acquisition. He was in the rotation. That gets brought up a lot, right? You, you can't bench these vets. It's not easy to do. You have locker room issues. The thing is, if you show flexibility and you're like, some nights you might not play and some nights you, you might get 30 minutes because that's just the nature of the beast. We're going to try to match up and win every game. That becomes less of a thing if Hartenstein does sit for a couple of games, right? It becomes less of a locker room issue, I think, when you're just known to be more flexible. Whereas, like, if you actually did take him out at one point, then he's done, and then that really would be an issue, you know. So yeah, like he he it's he creates these issues with so much of like how he views this stuff. Like Fournier can never play again. Yeah, Fournier will right. never you, play if again. You said that sometimes we need shooting and you're going to play those games, and sometimes. We need defense. You're not going to right. It would have been better. I mean, now that might be a front office directive because they want to trade him and getting him. I, I, it's tough, that, that's not. A, there's no way they told him you can't play Evan Fournier. That's just not reality. Like, no, no shot. Um, like, not even Reddish. Why would they tell him you can't play Reddish? Well, if they really do want to trade him and they don't want to, yeah, get but hurt. but like you, he can get hurt. Fucking walking his doggy. <laughs> You know, he can go, he can hurt doing anything. Slip on dog shit. Yeah, he could get hurt in practice. He could get hurt at shoot around. He could get hurt crossing the fucking road. I mean, that's like, practice, not a game. Yeah, I, exactly. But, like, no, I, I think this is Tibbs. We know this. With Tibbs, there, once you're out, it, you're out. Like, the, like we saw with Austin Rivers, right? Austin, did the front office tell him to stop playing Austin Rivers? The guy didn't play for like two months until we traded him. No, well, I was, was kind of happy about that. But. I, I was too, but the point is, like, what? There are certain guys that once you're out, you're out. Like you're you're done. T- Fournier is done. He's not playing again. Reddish is done. He's not playing again. And this is not because the front office was like, you know, oh, you can never play them again. Do I think the front office may have told him that they preferred to see Deuce over Reddish? Yeah, I think that's very possible, given the nerds that are populating some of the uh, front office decision-making kinds? Yes, absolutely. But I, I, there's no way they ever were like, you can never play Camerish. Who says that? No one's going to say that. Oh, yeah, we would rather not play Cam Reddish and play eight guys. Like, what the fuck are we talking about here? Or no. play two, um, play a, 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 a two-big matchup. Which yeah, and, and the two-big thing, bad. to your point, like, that's the perfect example of, like, hey, you can you can talk to those guys, and it doesn't. You know, you can tell Sims the same thing you're telling Hardenstein. Hey, there are certain matchups you're going to play a lot. There are certain matchups you might not play at all, but we need you to stay ready because we're going to we're going to need you over the course of this season, right? Like you can have that conversation with these guys. You can have that. Maybe you can't have that conversation with Reddish because 
he just wants out and he wants to play somewhere he's going to get consistent burn no matter what, <coughs> which is fair enough. I would be absolutely Do you think his sure. representation would have requested that if we don't have a consistent role, we don't want to risk him getting hurt? I don't think it should matter. That, that would, I mean, well, yeah, and I don't think that would talk. Yeah, and I don't think they would. I don't think that, I don't think it's a particularly good look. And I think any minutes for him is a good opportunity given his contract situation. And kind of on the same note, right, when it comes to, do you think fatigue, I mean, this is three games that they've really felt, not fallen apart all three in the fourth quarter, but they've lost in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I don't think, think, I don't think, I don't think fatigue was, I mean, what do we like? It, did, did they did they miss the free throws because of fatigue against Chicago? I don't really buy that. Um, did they lose to Toronto because of fatigue? I don't think so. They they completely. I mean, even Mitch got beat, like Mitch was dominating and beat on the glass. Not a sentence I ever thought I'd say. And then in the fourth, he gave up a pretty. He gave him an offensive rebound. Even when he came back in, you know, it just seemed like they lacked Wait, what, energy. What, wasn't that offensive rebound? Still. Wasn't wasn't that offensive rebound one where it was like. He stripped Embiid, who kind of like chucked up a shot and it came back. No, I'm Embiid. thinking um, this was a putback. My point okay, is, I mean, that, look, it's one putback. Like, I don't know. I it's it's a it, play that it, wasn't happening for three quarters. Is it a it factor? Seemed like, yeah. It's it seemed they, like all of them were just not making the rotations. I just making. think they were demoralized. That's fair. Like, I thought that game. What it was like, one hundred eight, one hundred two, or it was one hundred two, one hundred five, actually. And then they made it three. Brunson comes down the floor. He swings it to RJ, who's open in the corner. I didn't. I did not like Brunson doing that. I thought he needed to get a grip of the game at that point in the game. Um, just slow things down. It wasn't a bad he, basketball play, though. But yeah, it wasn't a bad basketball play. I just think it was not a good reading of the moment. Um, he swings it to RJ, who was basically in brick mode by that time. He bricks a corner three. I think they came down and hit a three after that. That was basically the game. And I think they did, they got it to like one sixteen one oh two before the Knicks scored again. Um, I just I don't really know like what to make of all that, but um, I thought they just looked demoralized. And it, this is not the first time we've seen them kind of let go of the rope in a moment. And the final score ends up being one one nineteen one twelve. It was basically a fifteen point game that they cut, and you know Philly was salting the game away. The Knicks. But the only time off. quickly was whether allowed or not or doing it. He, that was the only time he was aggressive. Yeah, you're in desperation mode, so it's kind of like, okay, just take what, whoever can get a shot, get a shot. So that, that doesn't really surprise me. But, like, we see, we've see we seen this in way too many games now. He doesn't trust quickly. He's not going to give him initiating opportunities. When he's on the floor of Brunson, he never initiates. When he's on the floor of Randall and RJ, never initiates or barely initiates. Like, this is what it is. And it's not just quickly. Grimes, Grimes is in the same boat. And I'm not asking, I don't think Grimes needs to be like running 15 pick and rolls a game. I think he can do a little bit more than we use him for. I'd I love mean, to see him more as, in screen and roll because of how good he is as a kind of getting the ball in weird situations and passing. Like, I, he's, he's got a two to one assist to turnover ratio. So he's been, he's pretty passing good in really that role. well. He's passing really well. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's, let me just see this. Let's see this. Okay. Manual quickly, his usage right now is 19.4, which, by the way, for a ball hog, uh, that would be a career low for him. Okay. Quentin Grimes. Let's check out his usage. Quentin Grimes' usage, 13.1, which is even lower than last year. Like, these are guys, I'm sorry, that usage is indicative of what they are and not and, and what, they, what they're being allowed to do and not allowed to do. I don't think it's just, oh, they don't want, well, like, 
Quickly well, Grimes is never going to be that much higher. Like that's just the why though. No, that he's not going to be higher because Tibbs won't empower him to do. I mean, you're, you I will, think he's quickly got more has the ability to create, right? Like Grimes is more of a like he is a guy who can get the ball on the move, who can attack mm-hmm. closeouts and do more than it. But you're not going to really have him isolate or run pick and maybe maybe some more screen and rolls for Grimes, especially with his pull up ability. We I will never know. We will never know under this head coach. I think it's that simple. We will not know. He, the only guy who has made like a significant usage leap going from role player to star, or like not star, but just shot creator under Tibbs, I mean, he did become a star, is Butler. That's it. You can look at everybody else. Noah, for a season. I mean, that was out of his usage. didn't go up super. Yeah, his usage high. didn't go up. So, like, I mean, he and, and also, like, that I would not even blame. Like, I am very okay with Tibbs not wanting Noah's usage up. Um, you didn't like the. the, the, the the tornado, no, the, the tornado, tornado jumper. It was an experience that uh, needed to be in. Have you seen the gif of uh, Demarcus Cousins <laughs> just mocking him to his face? Yes. <laughs> um, but like, like here's an example, right? Okay, this is Desmond Bain. Okay, Desmond Bain as a rookie. Guess what his usage was. 23? 16.1. Wow. Guess what his usage was the next year? The, the next year was last year, right? Yeah. That was probably, a, I'm going to say 22. 23. And guess what it is this year? 26? 27. So, like, and look, I get it. We added Brunson, RJ's RJ, Randall's Randall. He's not going to be able to get Bain to is also, like, three years older, or two or right, three right, years right, older, right, and Grimes right. quickly, so. Yeah, sure, but, yeah. but, that, that, but the point is, like, Memphis, well, okay, Taylor, Memphis as a front office empowered Taylor Jenkins to empower him effectively, right? Like, they clearly did not take issue with how he has increased Bain's offensive role. And, again, I don't think this is entirely down to Tibbs, because you add Brunson, who's a high-usage guy, Randall's a high-usage guy, RJ's a high-usage guy, there's only so many shots to go around. But he can definitely do more. And he definitely should be doing more. And especially <coughs> with Obi Toppin out, I think one way to be able to get him to do more would be to play him in that in those bench units in small ball looks. And he, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. Like I, I, have, I have to go through and like go game by game. But I think we're seeing less of RJ. Or we were at least seeing early in, the, in that in that eight game run, right? We saw a lot of minutes where Grimes and McBride and Quickly played together. We did not see that at all yesterday, I don't think. And I'm not sure we saw that at all against Chicago. Against Chicago. And yes, you, I, I am 100% in agreement that like Deuce needs to do a lot. He needs to show more offensively when he gets the ball. And Grimes needs to show more offensively when he gets the ball. But you have to allow them to do it. You have to give them the opportunities, and then you need to put it on them. That's not what's happening here. He's actually like trying desperately to avoid those situations. And it's it's actually with each game that is increasing. He's he's not giving he's giving them less and less opportunity. Again, Deuce got 6 minutes yesterday. What the hell is he supposed to do in 6 minutes? He barely touched the ball. What can he do? I don't know. I I'm sorry. Like I reject the idea that this is oh, quickly is passive, Deuce is passive. If all these guys are passive, it says something. Just like it says something when 
we're four, three years in to head to the same head coach. We've got different personnel. We've got way more offensive firepower. And yet any time a team goes into zone, we look absolutely shell-shocked. It says something. Like, these are just facts about Tibbs and about how he's deploying these guys. And I'm not going to ask for him to get fired because right now that's not going to happen. And I'm not particularly of the opinion that's not necessarily even beneficial. All I need him to do is just be better about giving guys minutes and being slightly more flexible with how he's deploying some of these dudes. Like, okay, Grimes, Deuce is not a great shot creator, right? Fine. Then play him more when there's two others. It does seem like even Deuce gets more opportunities on ball than quickly, or at least that's money. That's the point. Dude, like, this. going back to this offseason, Berman said multiple times, you know, he doesn't, he always says they, which we know what the fuck that means. That means Tibbs. Tibbs doesn't think quickly as a point guard. He's a, the way he's always he's always described him in the lens of Tibbs is a nice combo guard off the bench who can score a bit. That's what he thinks quickly is. And that's how he uses him. So, like, at, it doesn't surprise me that for whatever reason he views Deuce as more of a natural point, whatever the fuck that means. Um, but, like, I mean, it's not particularly surprising. And I just don't, I really don't get it. I think it's actually a detriment. And this, he did this last year too, right? Remember, he started Deuce a point over quickly. That was a thing that happened. Um, I don't know. I just think it's really ridiculous to what he's done, the way he's using quickly the last three games during this losing streak. Like, he started quickly against the Raptors. Quickly had what? 20? I think he was six of eight from three or something. Uh, six of nine, very nice six of nine from three, right? Okay, so clearly, at the very minimum, we have some evidence that the man is not a lost cause from three, as many wanted to pretend. He also went five of six from three against Golden State the game before that, right? So he looks like he's shooting the ball with some confidence again. He went one of five against Chicago from three, but I thought he, he none of those shots were bad shots. He didn't hesitate. Um, and he also was, what, five of four or four from two. So like whatever it was, he played well against Chicago. And then yesterday he was two of five from three, which whatever, it doesn't really say anything. But like the point is like he's shooting again with confidence, which is the entire point. You can play him more with shot creators. If that if if that is what you view him as, you still have the opportunity to do that more. And you have the opportunity to do that with Deuce. He's choosing not to do that over these last three games. That's his choice. That's his choice. Um, and maybe against Chicago, that was more understandable because, okay, Levine and DeRozan have size and blah, blah, blah. It was not, it was not yesterday. Yesterday was a joke. He was going to, again, he was going to play 17 minutes until he brought him back in because Brunson needed a rest at the end of the game because maybe he was hurt or something. That was a joke. 17 minutes in a nine-man rotation for Emmanuel quickly is a joke. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many things yet to unfold. Can the Knicks get home court advantage? Who knows? Maybe. Well, I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet, with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 of free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, 
total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Six minutes for deuce in an I-Man rotation is also a joke. Well, that's also why I bring up the fatigue, right? Because um, it seems like he especially doesn't trust the bench right now. Even though the bigger issues, I agree. It's Hardenstein, but he doesn't have a way to get around to that. Another question is, so Mitchell Robinson had got three fouls and had to go to the bench. He finished the game with three fouls. Um, do you think, I mean, he only played 28 minutes. Do you think that was more a conditioning issue, or do you think Tibbs was maybe a tad aggressive with the auto bench? Which against Joel Embiid, I do think is fair, but... I don't think the auto bench was a problem. I thought, I just didn't really understand the second half. Like, I didn't understand any of the decisions he made in the second half, Tibbs. I don't, like, none. From substitutions, to rotations, to lineups that were being deployed, to the tactical strategies on both ends of the floor. Didn't like any of it. I tweeted it out, and I was told I was nitpicking because we got good shots. Guys just missed. I don't know how anybody could have watched our offense. Not in the, the fourth. End, Definitely not the fourth quarter. The end of the third into the fourth quarter. I don't know how anybody could have watched us on offense and thought, we're getting good shots. We're just missing. Yeah, we're getting open threes, but they're not in rhythm. They weren't out of any type of productive offensive set. What would have been your adjustment on defense to getting just torched? Go small. If you're going to play Grimes and RJ and Brunson a shit ton, go small. And you're going to play Randall a shit ton. Just go small. I mean, was there anyone that on the team do you think that could have stopped James Harden? Or do you think you know being able to switch everything would have helped? Because he was, I mean, he was pulling if up. If you were going to do logo. what he, what, if, if you're going to do what he did, right, which is the soft hedge, effectively, right, soft yeah. hedging, then you need to have your most athletic lineup out there that is going to be on a string on perimeter rotations. He didn't do that. And you know what the funny thing is? When he had to go back to quickly at the end of the game, guess who blocked a fucking three? Yeah. <laughs> guess who blocked a three? Like, yeah. this is like, you needed guys that were going to die to make those rotations. Go watch the possession. Go watch the defensive possession right before he pulled quickly. Go watch that one back. He made like three different rotations. Yeah. To Which cover up for right various time. things. And he got pulled right after that. It was an absolute joke. I don't even tweet about quickly during games anymore because people are just like, you just love quickly. You're being ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, you're right, dude. You got me. I love the guy who magically the team generally plays better with. Thought it's a fucking crime now. But, like, this isn't even about quickly. It could have been Deuce. It could have been more. Like, you need well, against a team that had a guy go for 50 <laughs> With six eight size, it could have been the guy that's on the bench that's six eight, right? Like, yeah. there's adjustments that are just being left on the table. And, right and, now. and I'll say this: like, if he, if I, even with even if he just says reddish is done forever, I don't want to play him again. Fine, so be it. But like, he still had options in the rotation. He did not even attempt. Like, why is do this? Remember that what was the game? I think it was against Memphis, right? Where at the end of a quarter, he brought Deuce in for defensive purposes. Good. And then he depl- he had him on, like, some off-ball dude. I forgot who the fuck it was. Instead of putting him on, on Ja. Which is like, what is the point of bringing Deuce in then? Like, well, was it was it Brooks or Bain? I, it, no, it wasn't Bain. Bain didn't play that game. It was the second game. I, I don't remember what it was. The point is, like, 
if you have Deuce in the game, put him on James Harden. Put him on whoever is initiating the offense. That is the thing that he does very well. And it's not like RJ's size was giving Harden problems. You know, like, it wasn't. So, it wasn't, and, and it's not just, Grimes' size wasn't giving Harden problems. You know what might give him problems? Somebody who's contesting him, who's making it harder for him to dribble, 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 dribble. Paradoxically, someone who could get low and into yeah. his body a little bit, too. Right. Like, it doesn't, so, so to me, like, he still had options yesterday. Does it mean we win the game if he makes the op, if he picks those choices? No. This is like, this, and this is why the, people always twist this argument to be like, oh, well, we wouldn't have won the game anyway. That's not the fucking point. The point isn't, would we have won the fucking basketball game? The point is, would it have given us a better chance? That is always the point. Because you can never guarantee in a, in a one-game scenario that that adjustment X will win you the game. There's no way to ever prove that. There's no way. It's not possible. Unless you give Marshawn Lynch the ball at the one-yard line. They would have definitely won that game. But yeah, they would have definitely won that game. Um, but, like, the point is, over a longer sample... There's more than enough now to suggest that Deuce McBride is a better option to defend a point of attack than R.J. Barrett. It's not like some, you know, high-level, amazing Nick Nurse-style, like, experimental thing. No. It's like a very basic thing. Deuce McBride in college had Cade Cunningham, Cade, Cade Cunningham in fucking jail. Cade Cunningham is what, 6'8"? Yeah. So he's bigger than James Harden. It's not... You put that guy on some on a on a on the primary ball handler. That's it. Simple. Very easy. Other than Nikola Jokic, there's no primary ball handler in the NBA that I'm like, ooh, like. This, well, who, this, who would the Celtics have put on? Who would the Celtics have put on Harden? I mean, Jason Tatum probably, or Jalen Brown, or Marcus Smart. Like, I they, think it would have been Smart to be honest, because but, then you can. Yeah. yeah Maybe so. it would be, but it, it could have been Tatum. But that's because Tatum is a better defender than RJ Barrett. Like, you also don't have to worry about foul trouble as much with with um with Deuce as you would with RJ potentially. Right. So to me it's just like I mean not because Deuce would foul us, because if he gets in foul trouble, it's not the end of the world. Right. So. so so to me, this isn't like a fire Tibbs conversation. I just want Tibbs to do better. Like I think Tibbs has shown he can do better. And I think Tibbs has shown that when he picks certain lineups and trusts them that they have delivered for him uh, at a certain level. I'm not saying they've won us games by on their own, but they've been good. Like that quickly, Deuce Grimes lineup was really good. Clamp teams up, and we're not even seeing it now. Why? What happened? They, we could play them against Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, but we can't do it against Shake Milton and James Harden or uh, Zach Levine and Demar Drozan. Why? Why? There's only one answer. Why? Because what height is Darius Garland? What height is Donovan Mitchell? That's it. That's the only reason he was comfortable doing it. He wouldn't have done it against the Kings. He had to. Because Brunson got hurt and Randall got ejected. So I don't I, I'm not begging for him to be fired right now. I am begging for him to use his fucking brain and do things that he was doing when we won eight in a row. It, this is not rocket science. It isn't. A nine man rotation it is not this hard to figure out how to get do 15 minutes and quickly 25 minutes. That is not. That is that is like bare minimum expectation type of stuff. And if you can't do that 
and you're apologizing for it, as many people did yesterday in my mentions after, but I then muted all those because it's Christmas. And I was not trying to have that conversation. Um, you're just you're setting the bar so low for Tibbs. Like you're setting the bar so incredibly low for him. Um, all right, enough about Tibbs. Uh, you run at Mitchell Robinson. I want to talk about Mitchell Robinson because I thought he was awesome yesterday. I thought he was arguably our best player. Um, I know Randall had a great first half. I didn't love the second half. Not gonna. I mean, I, I, I'm 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 man enough to say that uh, the way Julius Randall is playing right now, I might have gripes with individual decisions with some stretches of play, but uh, blaming him for various things seems a bit much to me. Uh, and I Even think the defense has improved. Yeah, I think the defense has improved. He was he got destroyed and dropped yesterday, but like. That's, that's just going to happen. Yeah, that's just him. Like that. There's nothing I can say about that at this point. That's just what he is. Um, so it's yeah. Again, how he's being deployed. Yeah, and I think I, yeah, and I think when he's being deployed well offensively, we're seeing that he's made an active choice to, um, at least attempt to play a better brand of ball, and that's all I can ask of him right now. Um, and I also want to say I appreciated him taking the bullet after that Chicago loss, which really, I don't know. I mean, he missed a rebound at 115-112. I kind of get that. But, like, <laughs> let's be real. That was on Brunson and Grimes. That was not on Randall. So I thought that was really good leadership on his part, actually. So I want to give him credit for that. But I want to go back to Mitch because I think Mitch has played. He was not good against Chicago. But I think largely he's been great over this last stretch since he came back from injury. Um, and yesterday, look, Joel Embiid gives everybody buckets. I thought Mitch had a as good a job as you can hope to do on Joel Embiid, really. Um, especially if you're going to leave him on an island and not give him help. Especially before not... he got in foul trouble. And there were a couple times when he had blocks, and then... The ball went back to Embiid somehow. Yeah, and that was just like, what are you going to do there? So, I mean, yeah, like, his positioning on a lot of those Embiid drives, like, he was forcing Embiid under the hoop. And then Embiid usually is okay with that against most players because he has the length. But Mitch... So that was a great combination of Mitch, like mentally getting to a much better place than he has been previously, previously understanding where he can, you know, funnel and lead to best use his tools. Uh, he was dominant on the offensive glass. Um, I mean, the last few games, the number of times that he's just kept alive possessions late um, against Chicago, against Toronto. Um, th- and that's incredible, uh, especially for a team that does bog down a little bit on offense late. Um, I think, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is everything you wanted to see when he was a rookie with maybe like 80% of the mobility, ideally. But uh, but again, when you play him with good point of attack defenders, even like the fact that he, like, you know, we haven't seen the, the freshman or the rookie Mitch that we saw, and he was the age of a freshman, right? Um, you know, doesn't matter as much because like, it's not like he's, it's not like he's, you know, Enos, Enos Cantor, even like he's more mobile pro- He's probably equal mobility to a guy like Rudy Gobert, right? So obviously not as big. So as long as you have a guy who's not going to leave him hanging out to dry and drop, he's fine. Um, I, I thought he was incredible yesterday. And um, I think the Randall-Mitch minutes are, are really good to see. And um, I did wonder if maybe, but that's the thing. Like, he's not really a guy you can trust with three fouls. And I do think even when he came back in the second half, you, there was a noticeable difference in how he was defending Embiid. Uh, and that's really what got him being going because he was worried about fouls. Um, 
Yeah, and I actually, it just gives me more confidence to see him now against a guy like Jokic, which, who's always given him mass. I mean, look, Jokic has everybody problems. I think he had a 40-point triple-double again last night, so pretty good basketball player. Oh, um, right, yeah. But, like, I, I'm, I, we played Denver at some point at the Garden this year. Uh, I definitely want to see how Mitch does in that because, again, Jokic is a guy who, not just Mitch, gives everybody problems. So uh, I'm very curious to see how he performs. But, yeah, I mean, I think that he's just showing a lot of maturity in um, how he's handling a lot of these post guys that have gotten him in foul trouble before. Vucevic gave him an issue on Friday. I mean, it's kind of weird. I actually didn't think Mitch played a bad defensive game. It was just more like he didn't have a great one. And Um, with stretch fives, part of it is Mitch, you know, wanting to be in the big. But he's asked, like, Tibbs is never going to say stick to Vucevic at the five and don't help in the paint, right? So, like, it's kind of a no-win situation against stretch fives for Mitch at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just more of, like, Niang said it yesterday, not me. Um, he said, like, I don't know why the fuck they were playing deep drop. I haven't seen that since I was in, like, I think he might have said high school or college. Not exactly high praise of our defensive strategy. For a guy who plays, again, for another notoriously conservative and not the best coach. So yeah. The thing is, Doc has always been more creative offensively than Tibbs. Like, low bar, but yeah. yeah. Low bar, but he, it's it's not it's not even like, yeah, it is a low bar, but it's like, when I say more creative, he just will try like five out stuff sometimes, or four. Like, so if you're if they're both shorthanded, I think Doc tends to veer on the side of like, let me try to get more shooting spacing on the floor, whereas Tibbs will veer towards like size, size, wow. defense, and rebounding. Right. So, just like di- they're different in their rigidity and their what they lean towards, but. Um, I think Doc is slightly better than Tibbs in that sense. Um, but yeah, look, I, this is like, I, I hate this conversation too, because there would be like, oh, this is what happens if you don't have a superstar. And it's like, I'm not expect like, it's not about winning or losing the game. Like, it, this always misses the point. It's not about winning or losing the game. It's I wasn't upset when they lost to the Raptors. I wasn't upset about that. I thought it was stupid that he didn't bring Mitch back in. But like, Overall, I wasn't upset about that look. I was like, I mean, that was frustrating, not because of Tibbs as much as just the circumstances. Felt like they should have won. The circumstances, the reps were bad. There were a lot of things, right? But like, I wasn't upset after that game. I was fine after that game. I was like, okay, whatever, shit happens. I I was upset after both the Chicago and Philly games because I thought the process was bad, Um, for and for different reasons. But all reasons we've talked about so many times, going back months, right? This is not like. It happened yesterday, and we're like, oh my god, how did this happen? This is stuff that we've talked about previously. So, um, whatever. Uh, I do think it is worth mentioning RJ did have what I thought was probably his best game as a pro against the Chicago Bulls on Friday. I know he had 46 last year against Miami. I thought this was a better performance. Um, It's actually a travesty we didn't win that game because we should have won that game just because we wasted it. But he was awesome that was the most in control i've seen him uh i know he had he's he's actually now some of the turnovers he's had some higher turnovers games recently i'm actually okay with that um and i'm annoyed that he didn't have more turnovers maybe yesterday than shot attempts because or not more but like he was forcing up shots yesterday in the fourth whereas some of his higher turnover games recently have come 
it look it seems like he understands where help is coming from, but he's trying to figure out where his passing options are, and he's struggling a little bit, which is kind of like growth you need to see when you're developing as a shot creator and ball handler. So I thought that was that some of these high turn, higher turnover games, which he's had against Chicago and he had against Toronto, they're a little bit encouraging, actually. Um, he had it against Indiana, too, a game that we won. So slightly encouraging in the sense that like he's trying to now make passes, whereas in previous seasons he might have forced up shots. Um, obviously, you want to see him turn those turnovers into assist opportunities. But he actually had a really great pass to Randall, a couple but one that Randall actually cashed in on in the corner off a drive late in that game against Chicago. So those are like just really encouraging things to see from him. And that game overall, like I know he had, look, he had a bad game yesterday, um, but like he's been on a much better offensive run lately. And that game against Chicago was just fucking awesome. Yeah, he's been, um, I think that the tunnel vision has decreased yesterday, I think was a step backwards, but I think with all these young players, it's going to be two steps forward, one step backward. Um, I thought, yeah, I mean, against the, and he's also started to flash some, um, you know, things like step backs. Um, you know, I think that he had no mid range game last year. What's he shooting this year? I know there is a big stretch in the beginning, but, um, I can find that. I mean, I, I, I'm on it right now, but, um, you know, he's, um, he's getting into the paint. He, he, he can go to it a little, he can fall in love with this, but I think, you know, that little turnaround, the flip shot, or when he stops his momentum, that little mid, you know, six to eight foot floater, um, push shot, he's become pretty adept at that. And it's a really nice counter to his drives, um, which in turn, I do think is, is helping his drives. Um, you know, basketball. So he's actually he's shooting twenty one point seven percent from yeah. sixteen feet, twenty seven point three from sixteen to three. But he's only taking six percent of all shots from those ranges combined. And he's taking twenty nine percent of his shots from three to ten feet. And this is not great still, but he's at thirty six percent after being consistently thirty percent or worse for the rest of his career. So it's progress. And he did not and like that is directly that little push shot, right? The three to ten feet shot, which he did not have. And as a result, he's shooting 62% at the rim. Um, so he's become a little bit more efficient. Um, he's shooting the ball better from the free throw line. Um, and um, and of late, he's been looking for more opportunities to pass the ball. Um, he is now at uh, 53% true shooting, which is the highest he's been at since 2020, which was his best season as a pro. Um, so all good stuff of late. And the three-point shot still hasn't fully come around, but he's up to 33% for the season. By the way, quickly is also basically shooting exactly to what he finished last year at. He's up to 34% from three, 53 true shooting. So the shooting has improved. I don't think anyone could dispute that. And, and it was really anemic early in the year. So it tells you how hot he's been. But getting back to RJ, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot to like. I think, again, he gets into trouble. I don't know how much of this is a Tibbs thing or a him thing, but he gets into trouble when he's asked to create from the middle of the floor. Um, with either a token ball screen or with no ball screen at all. I like him getting the ball on the move. Uh, I like him running that play for Sims. Uh, I like him in pick and roll, especially side pick and rolls. Uh, and I think they need to to start to react <laughs> to that because that gives him... Because then when he does ISO, it's usually on a switch. And um, and I think he's able to... But but he has flashed some more one-on-one moves, like like step back, 
they're not easy shots. They're not things that should be a huge part of a shot diet, but it's nice to see him expand his game a little bit as well. Yeah, um, I think he's getting into those spots a lot cleaner. I think he understands, like, okay, if I want to get to that push shot, how can I do it? And how do I do it productively and stuff like that? Like, I, I think he's doing it in a much cleaner way. Um, you know, yesterday he didn't finish on those shots well, but I basically didn't have a problem with any of those shots. You know, he just missed them. He had a bad shooting game. It happens. I like those push shots better when they're, like, off a drive than... Like, I don't love him posting up still, but uh, it, unless it's a smaller defender. Um, he's had some success, but... So, I don't, guys... I don't like that, but I also think you, like... It's th- a good that, way to expand his game, too. Yeah, and it's also, that's like, that's an example of good coaching from Tibbs to me, where it's like, he's okay with... He probably, I'm sure he knows that that's not great for RJ right now. That's not like an efficient shot for him. But I also think he probably understands that, like, to become a better player, he needs to develop that. And to develop that, he needs reps. And he's allowing for that to happen. So, like, if I'm good, like, I can't, it's one of those things, right? Like, I can't be like, oh, my God, he's not letting quickly initiate, but then, like, kill him for allowing RJ to initiate on something like that. But, like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, It's not clean. I think he's definitely working through stuff. And I, I think what it is when he has the size mismatch, he can just overpower those guys. He needs to develop more like actual footwork to um, handle more even strength matchups down there. He actually had one pretty impressive take on Harden in the post yesterday, um, which I thought he got fouled on. He finished anyway, but just to see that. Yeah, against, he got shoved to the ground, didn't he? Something yeah. of the same one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, the point was more, uh, the point is like to do that against somebody like Harden, who is. For all of us, yeah. <laughs> super <laughs> strong, super strong, and like generally has always graded out as a very effective post defender. Um, that was impressive to me, uh, and I'm curious to see. Like, I'm I'm excited to see when we play Miami, just because I want to see him against Butler. Butler gave him a lot of issues last year on both ends of the floor, um, but I, I definitely want to see how that strength bears out against somebody like Jimmy, right? Who is absolutely a fucking bull down there. Um. Uh. But yeah, like I, I I'm encouraged by what I saw from RJ. The Brunson thing. I don't know. He had two bad games. He fucking choked at the end of that Chicago one. Uh. I thought he played really well yesterday. Could have played better. Not a perfect game, but he was good. I don't know. I I, I really struggled to like say much about Brunson yesterday in that game and like. I thought I think people were saying like he got exposed defensively. I don't know, man. I, I think Melton made some shots that were just like, "What are you gonna do?" I, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, some of them were just. I mean, how many pull up jumpers in transition did he hit? I think he um, had two or three. That is a guy. I mean, I that is a guy who was I think a good model for quickly to follow a little bit. Um, but I mean, I we I think you've been a the Anthony Melton guy for a long time. Oh yeah. Um, and you could see why yesterday. And um, I mean, yeah, there's there's not much else you can say. I mean, I want to say he was hot, and there's nothing you do. But also, like he's what almost forty percent from three on a on that kind of a shot and diet. He's also he's also what I think he's six three. He's got a crazy wingspan, Anthony Melton. Yeah, it's actually, like, I mean, he's always been a great defender. I think the yeah. shooting has been. He came into the league as a thirty percent three point shooter, so that's been the real encouraging development. Well, you know, made. that's and that's actually why we should give up on quickly. 
Uh, Melton's <laughs> a really good example, actually. And, but um, he also and he came in with a much as a much worse shooter, right? Yeah. Like even out of college, that was he was an athletic guy who was supposed to be like Javon Carter type, right? And you know. yeah, he's much better than Javon Carter. It's funny they got traded for each other. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> what I was going to say about Melton is like. He's also 6'3", and he's got a crazy wingspan. I think he's like 6'10", wingspan or something. Sounds very, familiar. Yeah, very quickly asked. So even if... I thought I thought Brunton was in like position more than a few times to contest, and it was just like, sometimes guys are just going to shoot over you and they're going to hit. Like, I don't like I don't know. I Did Brunson play the greatest defensive game yesterday? Not really. I don't think anybody did on the Knicks, to be honest. Um, there was one guy that played well defensively. It was maybe quickly and Mitch. Like, that's about it. I didn't think anybody else was cutting up anything. Grimes had some moments on Harden, but... Grimes had some moments. He also had some really dumb fouls, but, like, this is another one of those things where... He's guarding Harden. Yeah, and he also, like, you only learn how to guard Harden by subjecting yourself to that torture, which is, like, I hate everything about this man because all he wants me to do is to touch him on the arm or touch him on the leg, and he'll go down writhing in pain. This is um, exactly what strippers say about James Harden, too, by the way. Yes. Um, but, like, I didn't think Grimes had a great... I, didn't, I thought he had a pretty, to be generous, I would say, a mediocre defensive game. Especially um, by his standards. Yeah. But it's like, it's like one, it's James Harden, so that's going to happen. And two, like I said, like he needs to have... You need to fail against players that caliber to learn how to defend them. So that was a good experience for him. I had no problem with that. Um but the point is, like, I don't know. I, I just thought I saw a few people mention that like Brunson was exposed on defense or got hunted, and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I'm mistaken, but I really didn't see much other than Melton making shots over him. Yeah, I mean, he's always going to be at a physical disadvantage. Um, I like Brunson in his role, but in the playoffs, he's going to get hunted in isolation. Exactly. Um, but he makes up for it on offense, and so I mean, it is what it is. Like, if you want to lose, and yeah, and if you think the solution is bench Brunson, no, but then you have the people whining, oh, we gave Brunson $100 million. Like, no, it's very clear that's a trade off you make, but it's something, it, it is what it is. It has helped of late that you have Grimes and, and Barrett, and a lot, they allow you to, or, you know, the, uh, Grimes' insertion in the starting lineup basically allows you to hide Brunson somewhere else, right? Um, for the most part. But, Sometimes you play a team like Philly um, or, you know, like th- in some ways it reminded me a little bit of the Clippers game, the first, the 2020-21 game. Um, I think, was that Christmas Day as well? It was December. Uh, Knicks were playing well and the Clippers just played better. The Clippers played, you know, this was when the Clippers were really at their peak. Um, and this reminded me a little bit of that on, on, on defense for the Knicks where it was just, there's just not enough answers, you know. You could get more athletic, um, but this is, you know, when guys like Embiid and Harden are playing that well, the question isn't whether they can beat the Knicks. The question is, you know, can they beat Giannis? So, well, uh, in seven games, yeah, Giannis Milwaukee and Middleton. Has, yeah, Milwaukee has their own problems right now. Um, I think Middleton's going to solve a lot of them. I'm not worried He about is, but he also has not looked good when he's played. So, that might be something they just need to hope he gets right by the playoffs. Um, What's interesting to me, I'm curious to this, this is a side note. If you look at the finals odds, um, Philadelphia is, to put it bluntly, not high or a lot lower than I thought. I think they're at plus 2,000 right now, whereas Boston's at like plus 320. Um, so with the, with the disclaimer that we don't give financial advice on this pod, 
Uh, I'm definitely curious to hear your thoughts if you think Philadelphia is a little bit undervalued there. I, I think Philadelphia has no shot. Really? I, I just don't see it. Like, I know Harden is I, – I know they're the second-best defense in the league by defensive rating. Um, I know that Harden and Embiid are superstars. I know that – Max is not even playing right now. Yeah, the Maxi has been awesome. Um, I think your closing lineup against a team like – like, I could see them beating Milwaukee, quite frankly. I could see that. I don't. I don't think they would, but I think I could see that. I don't think they have a shot in hell against Boston because the wings, just the wings, and I just think Boston's way too good. That Boston has the exact type of defenders that they can just constantly throw different ones at Harden and not get. They can switch up looks. Um, I think they have really good and interesting defensive strategies to combat Embiid on the interior, and they're just really fucking good on offense, man. Like. I mean, I'm watching that Bucks game yesterday. I like, and it's like it's actually pretty funny because I, I remember after we played them, I think we lost one thirty three, one eighteen or something. The Bucks, but like, no, no, to uh, to Boston, Boston yeah. yeah. And I remember after that game, people were like, "Oh my god, our defense is terrible," and blah blah blah. And like, look, our defense wasn't great in that game, but they just do a lot. Like, like this is like the you know, there's sometimes the teams just do stuff that really fucks you up, and. Given the fact that we play like the drop coverage we do, teams like there's a pretty look, it's not a coincidence that teams like Boston and Philly and Dallas have all given us really big problems defensively. Um, they all have a lot of shooting, they all have wing creators, um, they all have they just they all have options to go five out. These are all things that give this Knicks team a problem. But the point I was going to make, and this is why, like, um, you know, like, the, the Tibbs thing with the defense, and like, why doesn't he adjust? It's like, look, we can say and talk about it until we're blue in the face. It is what it is. He's not going to do it. Um, against most teams, that's workable. There are just certain teams that are going to punish you. And uh, they're one. Funny enough, Cleveland is not one. Uh, which is why I think we match up well with them. Um, but like Boston is just so they're like a fucking machine, man. They were getting open three after open three after open three against Milwaukee. Like, and Milwaukee's got Giannis on the floor. They got Brooke on the floor. Brooke's going to be a problem for them in, in any Boston series. I don't think they can play him very much. Um, but like they just, you, they're just really good. They have so many guys that can dribble past shoot, right? Like, You've talked about obviously Tatum Brown, but then you have like Smart. You've got Brogdon. You've got Derek White. You've got Grant Williams, who's turned himself into a fantastic shooter. Like Sam Hauser is apparently the greatest shooter of all time. They've got so much shooting, and they've got so many guys that can take the advantage created for them by a Tatum or a Brown and multiply it or capitalize on it in whatever way. So they're just a really tough cover. I, I think. It pains me to say that I, I really think that they are the favorite for good reason. and For the finals of the East? <clears throat> I mean, I think they're the best team in the league. I don't think anybody in the West has a shot. The West sucks compared to the East. Yeah, Unless, uh, maybe if maybe if Golden State makes some trades, bolsters their bench, um, they can do something. Stop playing James Wisen. That might help. Um, you know, maybe send him to the G, G League. G League. I mean, they have. 
Yeah, they should. Really I, just... I don't think that would be. I mean, there are guys who have turned, like look at Marvin Bagley. You know, he turned around <laughs> his career, so it's not. I mean, they have to accept that he's not. He needs to not get. The yeah, but they're they're like, too good to be sitting around developing Wiseman. I, I'm sorry, like you're a championship contender. Their starting five is like the best starting five still in the league by net rating. Fucking go get some functional dudes off the bench. I'm sorry. Like you're talking about wasting the championship window because you're trying to have two timelines or something. Get the fuck out of my face. Um, and if Brooklyn played Boston, I assume you would go. You oh, think yeah. you would go similar to that last year? Oh my god, it's they're they're probably even a better matchup. They're probably even a tougher matchup now for for Brooklyn because Brogdon adds more. Like he just gives them another dude, right? Like I like Peyton Pritchard, but Brogdon is better today than Peyton Pritchard is, especially for what you want from that role, right? But they have better. Ben Simmons now. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. Uh, maybe maybe if they play them in round one again, they'll have a chance because that's Ben Simmons. Uh, that's his strong playoff round. It's after that that he has issues. Ben Simmons is shooting forty eight percent from the free throw line. I think that's worse than Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, Mitch Mitch is up to like fifty three percent. He's actually. Anecdotally, it looks like he's found a little rhythm at the free throw line. It definitely doesn't look as ugly. I remember I looked a couple of weeks ago and I was like, oh, and his free throws actually look more aesthetic, but uh, the percentages weren't reflecting well, that. Well, he still puts no arc on them, but he's he's putting them right about where he needs to. And it's smoother. He used to do this little, like, like flick Came thing. off the bottom of his wrist. Yeah, it was weird as shit. Now it's like, it's like, a, it's like he's shooting the ball now. It's Yeah, it is flat, but he's at 55%, which is... Uh, above his career average, so that's pretty good. Yeah, um, but like, yeah, Boston just—I think they're—they're they're too good. Um, pains me to say it. Really, I need somebody to do something to to stop this from occurring. Uh, um, but I mean, so to go back to the Knicks, I think most can agree that um, you know, with Cam out, especially, they could probably use some help on the wing. Um. They could probably they need shot creation on the bench to come from a different place than RJ. Um, and then I think the other thing is the Hardenstein Sims issue, which Obi coming back would fix it. But given that, what kind of moves are you looking at, or would you be looking at for the Knicks? Uh, you know, as we get to the uh, approach the trade deadline here. Um, I, they need a wing. I think that's for sure. Um, I don't know who they would target. I will say this, okay? I know that adding a player like this would be, I don't know, what are we trying to do? What are the, okay, fine. The Hornets suck. Okay, they're a bad team. They're 9-24. and 24. <clears throat> They're tanking. They just don't know it yet. Gordon Hayward has another year left on his contract. 30 million. We know Michael Jordan hates losing. But we know that the thing he hates to lose the most is money. What if you offered them I think you could do Rose and Reddish and I don't know. Rose, Reddish, Hartenstein from a second or two. Um even though we have one less because of the ridiculous uh, tampering violation, that um, it was insane though. Like every team is doing that. It doesn't matter. I'm, so I'm just, I mean, I have to respect the teams that got their their decisions in exactly in the ten seconds between the trade, the free agency <laughs> start, and Shams tweeting it out. Uh, 
it, it's uh but but the point is like um like if you could do that for Gordon Hayward, I don't know. Like that's kind of like the wing that you are looking for, right? A guy he would can... also bring some stability to the offense. He could connect and he can create. I think that's the kind of player that really the Knicks could use. Yeah, and I'd look, he's got injury issues. The good thing for him here would be you wouldn't actually need to play him a lot, right? Like, you could play him. What did Burks average when before we started making him the starting point guard of the team, right? Like, Burks the year before was at 25 and a half minutes a game. Even if you played, you know, if you played Hayward 22, 23 minutes a game, like, that's perfect. That, that Like, that really, you know, we talk about some of the issues that Tibbs has trusting quickly. I think that goes away. And you know what? I think quickly and Hayward would play really well off of each other. Um, so I think that would be an interesting choice. His contract expires next year. The Knicks aren't going to have cap space this summer. There's nothing to do with cap space this summer anyway because the free agent class sucks so much ass. That would be an interesting one for me. I would not hate that. I've also talked about like cheaper options, guys that present less of a hindrance to um, giving guys like quickly and do some more opportunities, like a Jalen McDaniels from Charlotte or Garrison Matthews from Houston. But like if you're if you're really in it to make the playoffs this year and you want somebody who can maybe contribute this year and next, I think Gordon Hayward is a pretty interesting option. Um, I don't know. Look, I don't know that Charlotte will pull the plug because Jordan ultimately isn't saying about trying to wing win. But you got to think that, like, at some point, something's got to give there. Yeah, I I actually like that trade, especially if it's like Cam sec. Like, and you keep. I mean, would you give up like a, one of the protected first for for Hayward? No, but like the thing is, you're still doing them a favor. In, in some capacity. Uh, are like, you though? Because obviously, he, like, like you yes. said, the free agent class sucks. And he's Yeah, but they but they are saving money. But they're saving money. And that's big. Hello. Like and you're not even you're not even giving them Fournier in this deal. So what sorry, can you say the deal Hello? again? Can you hear me? Yeah, so I'm yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Um hold on. I'm gonna put it in the little machine real quick just to make sure it works. <clears throat> uh, Gordon Hayward is owed $30 million this year and next. So trade him to the Knicks. And then the Knicks send out Derek Rose. They send out Cam Reddish. Get the fuck out of here, Cam. Why won't this go? Okay. So he goes. And then they send out Hartenstein. All right. So Hartenstein goes in the steal, too. So effectively, the Hornets cut about $22 million from their payroll for next year, and they can probably find a team to flip Hartenstein for if they don't want to have Hartenstein. So maybe you can find a third team to get second-round picks from to toss in the deal, right? Um, but yeah, look, that, that would work. So I would do that trade. Yeah, um, I think that's a that's a pretty good trade for the Knicks. Um, and then you you you're not giving up any firsts, so I think everyone would be a fan of that. Um, and um, what about a guy like Harrison Barnes? I wouldn't mind him, but I just don't see the Kings trading him. Like they're kind of in a similar boat to the Knicks, right? Where they're trying to win. 
they want to make the playoffs. What are you giving them that they would be okay with trading Harrison Barnes that that like helps them? You know what I mean? Like I don't know what you can give them that fits with what they're doing that helps them win games right now that they would give up Harrison Barnes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go through a few teams, a few players on different teams just going around. So sticking with the Hornets, let's say we call Michael Jordan. He says, I have another wing who I'd rather trade. No. You can't have Hayward. Nope, not doing Kelly Oubre. <laughs> I had the feeling that was the case. Um, the Magic have a glut. Is there anyone on the Magic that you think they might be? I guess you know they probably are going to want picks, and we're probably not going to want to give it to them. Um, so like Kuzma and Kuzma, I think we talked about this last time, but Kuzma is someone you're not interested in. I don't know. I'll, I'll say this. If, if you're not, if you're willing to move Hartenstein, I think that's interesting. But the problem with Kuzma is he's going to want to start. start yeah. And there's just no world where that makes sense. Unless you're also dealing Randall, which I don't think they're going to trade Randall for Kuzma. Right. So, I don't know. Um, I would. I'd be open to it. Like I do think there's a world where somebody suggested this the other day to me in my mentions that was like Randall for Kuzma and KP, and there was some other player that the Knicks sent out. I forgot what exactly the deal was. And I was like, look, I would not. I'd be hesitant to do this because I think the Knicks have like some pretty decent vibes going right now. And I know they've lost three in a row, but I still think the vibes around the team are pretty good. Um, I'd be hesitant to do that. And then you also have the issue where both Kuzma and Porzingis would be free agents at the end of this year. And you're going to have to make a decision on them immediately. I don't know if I love that. Um, but from a pure like basketball standpoint, I think there's a world where like Kuzma and Porzingis, even if they're not as good as Julius individually, they just they could make your team construct a lot more. But one of them would have to come off the bench, right? Unless you bench Mitch for KP, but I don't think they would do that. So, Yeah, maybe you don't. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, one of them would have to come off the bench. Maybe you move Mitch to the bench. Whatever it is, there's stuff that you need to work out. But, like, the idea of adding Porzingis and Kuzma to this roster, I mean, there is definitely, like, a level of dynamism there offensively in terms of spacing. That we you just remember don't how, have right now. How well? How did um? How did Porzingis and Brunson fit in Dallas? I didn't watch them too much together. Uh, I mean, I can pull up the numbers. They didn't uh, play together last year, obviously. They played together a little bit. I mean, Porzingis got traded at the trade deadline, so. Yes. Are you thinking? No, yeah, yeah, I'm looking it up now. Sorry. Uh, all right. So if we look at, we'll just look at 2021, 20, 22, and 20. So the two years prior to this one. Yeah. That's um, Brunson, Porzingis. Their numbers together are over those two seasons. This is from 2020, 21 to 2021, 22. They were a, a minus 0. 0.78 together. 113.48 offensive rating, 114.26 defensive rating. That's in 1,260 minutes. Uh, if you take out the 2021 sample, uh, shit, 
I hate when it does that. It's so annoying. Give me a second. Yeah, um, it resets. I had to do the same yeah. thing. If you go to just last year, last year those two together were minus two point five two net rating. So okay. not right. a great sample. I would. I let me just do this. Let me take Luca out of the mix. See how that plays out. Because I think there was defensive issues with those. If you take Luca out of the mix, they are basically a neutral last year. And if you include the year before, and now I have to do all of this again because for some reason it resets and it's very annoying. Um, Got to tweet at Daryl Blackport, man. Tell him to. Is that who runs the site? Yeah. Uh, all right. So if you include those two seasons, Brunson and Porzingis together without Luke on the floor in 819 minutes, they were a plus 1.5 unit rating. So I guess at the at the minimum, you're you're looking at a team that was a neutral. Um, I might argue that RJ and Grimes with Kuzma could be a better fit than what they had for a variety of reasons, but like, there's no way to know that. It's not like some highly encouraging sample. It's also not a sample where you're like, well, I guess these guys are totally hopeless and stuck together. It's more like a meh, but I don't know. I mean, there definitely is like an argument there. I, as I said, I don't think I would do that trade. Just because I do think the vibes are pretty good, and and to be quite honest, like, yeah, you have to give credit where it's due. I think Randall has shown growth this year, not just in terms of his you know, playing, but also his leadership off the floor. I think he's done a much better job of being a better teammate, of being a leader. He deserves credit for that. So I think I would hesitate to do that, but I don't know. I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, um, and then so. <laughs> Um, okay, so another guy that's come up recently. So Eric Gordon is a guy, <laughs> excuse me, who's getting talked about a lot. Um, any interest there? I mean, probably gives you a little bit more defense than a guy like Fournier would. Um, you know, do you think he's big enough to fill some of that wing void? Uh, no, I have no interest in Eric Gordon. Um, he's just a guy to me who, you know, Whatever. Like, I, I just think Eric Gordon is... He's a dude. He's not anybody that's very exciting. Um, he's 34. He's older. <sighs> what are you doing with him? I, I don't know. I, I'm, I know it's weird because I just suggested Gordon Hayward, but Hayward is bigger. Like, if, if, if Eric Gordon was a wing, I would probably be a lot more receptive to it. Um... But my hesitation with any of these guys, especially like Gordon and Hayward, is that we've already, like, Tibbs is already finding reasons not to let quickly and especially Deuce do much offensively. I feel like that would just increase if you get him one of these guys. Yeah, I mean, I think as a rule, I try not to. Um, I try to say that if you can't trade for good players because you're coach, then the bigger issue is the coach. Um, and then, um, yeah. And I think that might be, it'd be, if they were younger, I think that's way more reasonable, but because of their age, I think it should matter more because it's like, well, if, if Tibbs is going to just not use those other dudes now because he has his vet, that's it kind of fucks us in the sense that like the vet isn't providing anything long-term either doesn't really serve a purpose in the short or long term. So, um, or the, the short term purpose doesn't really give you any long term benefit, which is like, 
So, like, if you're trading for a guy who's 26, 27, 28, that player can still give you, like, you know, three, four years of service, right? A guy like Gordon or Hayward, who knows what they're going to give you? Uh, it, it's not, it might not be that that long. Gordon, Gordon is 34. Uh, you said Gordon or Hayward in that. It's like, <laughs> no. wait, the same guy. <laughs> and then, and then Hayward is 32. So I don't know. And, and obviously in Hayward's case, he's had so many injury issues. So it's, I don't know. I, there are definitely moves to be made. And I do think they're going to have to make a move. They need another wing. That's very obvious to me. Preferably, it would be a wing that can play the three or the four so that when Obi comes back, they're not stepping on each other's toes. Um, but what Hayward would be. Yeah, I mean, I guess Hayward can play the four. But, you know, even if he's going to stick with this, like, demented dingbat uh, Sims Hartenstein fucking lineup, Frankenstein thing that he's going with, Hayward makes, Hayward might actually be able to make at least a little bit more sense of that. So you have, um, so just going through, there's, there's a list I found. So um, the Raptors trade targets listed are Julian Champagne. The Knicks probably aren't going to be not banging on the doors. Um, there's Otto Porter Jr. Do you think the Raptors would trade him? Has he even played this year? I don't think so. I think he's been hurt, but... So, I mean, they probably would trade him, but, like, what are you doing with him? If he's not yeah, I mean, him? if he's healthy, I think that's the kind of... Again, that... Yeah, he if he's healthy, him. he'd be awesome. I'd love him. And then there's another guy the Raptors have who can play the three or four. Um, like, basically every player on the roster. Bo Ask Cruz. Bo Cruz. Oh. Now, I'm not... A, I think... I used to like. I was like a really big believer of Wancho as a prospect his first year or two, especially in the NBA. But the ship has sailed for Bo Cruz. Um, I think. I think <laughs> he, played, he got some run against the Knicks. Yeah, he's he's been getting a run against a lot of teams. Actually, funny enough. Um, but I think if you're going to go for somebody on that team, it would probably be like what Gary Trent Jr. But yeah, he's going to be pricey. Yeah, he's going to be pricey, and you're going to pay him after this year. So I have no idea what that's going to run you. Um, I don't know. I the Raptors don't seem like a good trade partner for a variety of reasons. Yeah, and I think within division two, or not within division, but within conference. Yeah. Um, then I don't know why Bull Bull is listed as available for the Magic, but they probably shouldn't trade him. Um, I'll give you a guy that I think would be interesting, um, and I would guess wouldn't cost you too much. Um, so this is a guy who's only playing 15 minutes a night right now. He played 23, just under 23 last year. He's a career 37.7 three-point shooter. Um, not on super high volume, but capable shooter. He's a career 58 true shooting guy. He's down to 52 true shooting this year, but again, he's not playing as much. Um, Amir Coffee. On the Clippers? Uh, I'm more of a chai guy myself. But, um... nice. I mean, I don't have any strong feelings about him. It's not like I've been crunching a mere coffee tape. Um, but I think he'd be... Like, I don't think he'd cost you much. His contract is pretty decent, too. Um, he is on... He's making basically $3.5 million next year. After He's making three point four this year. Three point six seven next year, and then just under four next year, or the year after that. So, 
I don't know. I think that contract. I, if you're just it's looking really for, just a rotation casualty, right? Because the talent they have. So yeah, and if you're just looking for like somebody to eat some minutes on the wing and be a functional player while you're waiting for like Obi to get healthy and all these kind of things, that seems okay, right? I mean, he's not how old? He's like 25 too, so it's not like you're you're getting his you're getting a beer coffee's prime here, you know. <laughs> um, no, but like I think that's like, and as much as like you know Hayward talking about Hayward and guys like that, it's more fun. But I still think ideally, like losing these last three games should not change the broader thinking, at least to me. Like, and my broader thinking has consistently been: you're better off just forcing Tibbs to play these young guys. And like, and this is why you can't do it. Like, we're already he played two six minutes yesterday again. Like. Like this is why you have to be very careful about trading for somebody because that six minutes will turn into zero very quickly. Um, no, I want to see what these guys have. Like I want to see what they have, and I'm okay with just letting the chips fall where they do. You know, um, I know the front I, office I mean, probably has different pressures than I mean they have obviously a lot different pressures than I do in talking about this stuff. But, no, but even, even you want to see a top six seed, right? I do, but I'm also fine with like. Seeing what our guys have, I think that's way more important than what the hell scene we end up with. And at this point, I think we're pretty... I would be very surprised if the Knicks don't at least make the plan at this stage. Yeah, there, I, that's not a question. Um, the question is... There's two things, right? I think yesterday... I think during the winning streak, one question that came up is, all right, they look pretty good. Could they even forget making the playoffs because they make some noise in the first round? I think one thing for me, at least, it seems like we had different levels of kind of how sanguine we were about yesterday. Yesterday proved to me that that was the five seed. That is a team that very well could be the five seed. There's a gap. There's Is that fair to say between the Knicks and the Sixers? Yeah, absolutely. And basically every team in the top five, yeah. um, you know, especially when you, you get the, the good version of the Nets. Um, so I do tend to agree with you. I think Hayward is like kind of a no-brainer value move that would put them – you know, it would secure them, I think. The question is, like, can they beat out a team like the Raptors, right, for that sixth spot? Um, the Raptors are... Raptors, I think, Hawks, and, and uh, the there's another one. Yeah, Heat. Heat. Uh, the Heat have the experience... And, and the, the Pacers. Yeah, I, I think at some point... I don't think the Pacers go full Wemby, but I do think the Knicks are a better team than them. I'm really worried about the Raptors, um, the Bulls... Uh, sorry, the Raptors, the Heat, and the Hawks, and really the Raptors... Uh, the Heat are aging. I'm not sure I can bet on them to be healthy, even though they probably have the best individual player out of those three teams. You can say Siakam over Bam. Um, sorry, Trey is the best individual player, but I do like Bam a lot. Um, the Hawks are still kind of a mess, but we saw it in 2020-21. This is a team that's gotten hot in the past before. So the question is, does this help you seal that, like succeed over those three teams? That's what Hayward would do. If you're not doing that, I would rather take kind of a flyer. Um, so I, I like the McDaniels idea like a lot. Cam Reddish? Uh, well, that's the, that's the thing. I was going to bring up a specific Cam Reddish trade that I've seen someone bring up. Uh, if, if the person is listening and I didn't credit you, I'm sorry. Uh, but there is a player on the Bulls, or on the Nets, who's 22. And the Nets seem like, on the one hand, not a logical trade partner for the Knicks ever, just because, you know, whatever. Um, Are you going to say Cam Thomas? No, Kessler Edwards. Um, he's been pre- fucking awful. I mean, he's played five minutes a game this year. Last year, shot 35% from three, 
pretty good defender, um, you know, connective player, and he's six eight, uh, and probably has a little bit more. I mean, a Cam for Edwards trade is like let's trade for each other's kind of low value young player flyer assets. Um, yeah, I don't know. I that doesn't do much for me. I'm not a big Kessler Edwards guy. I didn't love him in that draft. Not that I studied him extensively, but. Even from what I've seen him in the even from what I've seen him in the NBA, I just don't really care. So, uh, uh, but I would rather trade for a young. I mean, I guess maybe yeah. coffee fits that that um, that mold. Um, and then the other thing is, so I know that you are pro kind of letting the young guys cook. If a guy like Jordan Clarkson was available, no. There's no interest there because of no. defense, because he has been playing really, really well this year. Yeah, that's great for him. I'm very happy for him, and I hope him all the success in the world. I have no interest in trading for Jordan Clarkson. That is like the ultimate dumbass move, in my opinion. Can you elaborate why? He is putting up numbers on a team where there's absolutely no pressure. Um, they have spacing that we cannot replicate, and have never been able to replicate. Um, he is his entire value comes with what he produces on the ball <clears throat> and um, the way that our team operates those opportunities are going to be very limited for him so i would and and if he does get those opportunities they're not going to come at the expense of rj barrett they're not going to come at the expense of julius Randle. they're not going to come at the expense of jalen brunson they're going to come at the expense of emmanuel quickly as the world and probably the ob toppins the world and I'm sorry that I am not interested in doing that for a 30-year-old who is not a fucking all-star. Like, what is Jordan, Jordan Clark is a nice player. Great. Wonderful. I'll fucking write a song about it. Like he's a he's a good he's a fourth guard on a really good team. He is fine. Like if if we're trading for Jordan Clarkson, we should have just kept Burks. Burks is better for what we need. He actually has utility. Um, if he's Better not scoring defense. because he can defend, he's a decent rebounder, just a general, he knew exactly how to play off of the guys that we had. Just, we should have just kept Burks then. But, um, I'm not really interested in Jordan Clarkson. Not mostly. I just don't particularly care for how he fits with what we need. Like the Knicks have an identity. They need to lean into that identity and find guys that have, and, and find guys that fit that, not bring in offense heavy volume scorers who don't like to play defense at all. I think that's the wrong, wrong idea. Um, that's a reason why I like Gordon Hayward, because he's not like a particularly great defender, obviously, but he's a decent defender, and he's a good passer, and he's a connective passer. He's a quick decision maker. That is the type of shit the Knicks need. They, they need do need of. some shooting, too, by the way. Um, Hayward can shoot. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. Um, looking ahead a bit, so the Knicks play another team notorious for going five out in the Mavs tomorrow. Do you think we see any adjustments from Tibbs? No. Do you think maybe he would go small? Nope. And do you think the results will be the same, or do you, are you a little bit more optimistic about the Mavericks? Uh, I mean, it's always possible because we we did not compete on the glass at all the last time we played the Mavericks. I don't think that would be the case this time, so that automatically increases Knicks our chances. Knicks played too, right? He did. That was just a very... That was when the Knicks were still like in their very weird. We're just not going to do anything on the defensive glass stage. Um, I think it'll be better because we're just flat out trying harder. 
and we're doing things that should theoretically help move the margin in our favor, like defensive rebounding and offensive rebounding even. But am I optimistic about it? I mean, I don't know. I'm. Can we beat the Mavericks? Sure. Yeah, I think we can. I don't think the Mavericks are like some amazing fucking team, but they do have Luka. And they do. And they can present, get hot in a hurry. Yeah, like, and they do present, and they do present problems because of their ability to play five out. Although I will say, without Maxi Kleba, um, their five out option is Christian Wood, who is a much worse defensive player than Kleba is, and that presents its own opportunities for the Knicks. And not the name <laughs> of a Christian dating site. Um, I also just hope we win because we haven't lost to them in Dallas since 2016-17. Yeah, it's been the one. Uh, <laughs> it's been the one good thing after that Porzingis trade. And I remember just, I just remember the first time we won there, and everyone just shitting on Howard Beck. Yeah, was fun. that was fun. Uh, I think he probably muted everyone on Nick's Twitter at that point. Pretty sure he blocked everybody on Nick's Twitter. No, I think he mutes a lot because I've sent he, him some call shit, and I just I need to stop responding. So he blocked sure he me. So <laughs> so uh, no, it is what it is. Yeah. All right. Well. I think that's a good place to end it. That is our pod for today. Hope everybody had a great Christmas and uh, is enjoying the most bullshit work week of the year, which comes between Christmas and New Year's Eve. Uh, Stacy, let people know where they can find you and plug anything that you'd like to plug. Uh, you can find me at um, Stacy Patton eighty nine. Um, we have some more draft content coming out at the Strickland, so. Especially if you're trying to cheer yourself up during the Knicks' recent, uh, let's not call it a skid, uh, underwhelming home stretch, this would be a uh, good time to start checking out some drafts, though. For sure. Uh, I have nothing to plug myself, so I'm just going to plug all the wonderful work at the Strickland. I will plug all of the um, podcasts, draft content. Uh, definitely check out the rundown that uh, Tyrese and Sam host after each game, uh, even when we lose. They're entertaining. So give that a follow. Check out the merchandise on the store. I know Christmas just happened, but it's never too late to look good in Nick's gear. Yeah, so, Merry uh, Christmas, you filthy animals. Yes, Happy Merry New Christmas, Year. everybody. And, uh, you know, Merry Christmas to Tua Tungavaloa, who pissed himself yesterday, and the Dolphins, who are uh, finding new and really fun ways to miss the playoffs. So I hope hope that happens good luck to them but not really um but that oh and beat tcu man fuck yes. can't lose that shit again this year yes and hopefully michigan beats tcu all right that is our pod for today i hope everybody has a great week again and i will see you on friday You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.